<laughs> here we are sitting in a little Ubud home here in Bali with a dear, dear sister of mine, Angelina. Hello. Mm, hello, hello. <laughs> Sipping a sacred tea from two different parts of the world mm. and just coming out of a beautiful prayer of setting up the stage for this mystical exploration of Leo season. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> such an honor and pleasure to be here mm. Mm. and as we're gonna explore and dive into the mysteries that you wave through your magic mm. i also first want to introduce you to mm. cosmic aspirations listeners <laughs> so i know you in many ways and i'm not sure mm. like there's such deep feminine energy and power waving through you which is sometimes really hard to describe mm. but i would I wonder how your feminine flow would reveal the mysteries of you. Mm. Well, I would try my best, but often as the mystery flows through you, you never really know in the moment what will arise. But when I think of a description of myself or an introduction, it's really about the deep embodiment that is multi-layered within my being. And I feel like I was pretty much born like that but I was born into a land in Australia which is a very big property that allowed this embodiment to shape me mm. so through this embodiment I've been able to uncover and reveal the mysteries which uh, have been residing in my being from this lifetime but maybe obviously previous lifetimes so I feel like to describe me would be a deeply embodied, multi-layered, <laughs> feminine being aspect. And that is the full spectrum of what it is to be human, but also to be a mystic in this way. So I would also describe myself as a mystic, but I play many different roles. And yeah, I would have to say I'm also quite a shapeshifter mm -hmm. as well. Mm. And that for me feels very fitting because I love shifting into many different realities. I love interacting with a diverse range of people. I love working with women who come from many different backgrounds. And mm. it's that deep sense of embodiment that I always return to that allows me to be in this way in the world. Mm. Yeah. So in a way, it's like all different facets of feminine embodiment. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. We're tuning in for Leo season. Right? Mm. Connected to the heart, oh. but in astrology, it is a fixed fire sign, so it's um, thought to be less flexible because of the fixed modality. Mm. But in reality, like I like to question this concept of like this is it, this is that. Mm. You know, even the way that I learn astrology, I haven't attended any school or any course. It's more of that remembrance and the connection with the wisdom of these archetypes and leo being connected to the heart the heart has no limits the fixed energy in leo i think is the one that is kind of like stay rooted in the heart and then you can expand into whatever it is that brings you that joy inspiration <laughs> and pleasure mm. and i see you mm. quite embodied in that yeah i can totally resonate with that and a lot of how people would actually describe me is very loving mm. they always say wow your heart is so loving and that's such a beautiful thing for me to receive mm -hmm. and i remember 
actually about maybe 10 years ago when I wasn't so aware of who I was in the world and, and waking up to who I really was or how I emanated this loving heart. And someone said to me, they were like, wow, and I'm getting shivers just thinking about this. And they were like, wow, you love so much. How can you love so much? And it's always been this beautiful aspect of myself that this, this loving heart has just emanated this radiance for all beings. Mm. Yeah. And isn't that the healing of the world? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. it's interesting. I know sometimes it can be hard to like describe when people are, oh, tell me something about you. Mm. Um, and I love that astrology really comes handy in those <laughs> situations <laughs> because it can help us give that language um, and a rooted understanding of what it is that we bring the energetic essence that we yeah. wave and so having your chart open here like the first thing that caught my eyes how much feminine energy is in your chart mm. truly a lot mm, uh, your son is in virgo which is um well it is a feminine sign although i like to see virgo also as a little bit of androgen andro i always say androgenous mm -hmm. <laughs> what is the word to not really be gendered Andro androgynous. androgynous androgynous yeah I prefer androgynous I was like androgynous <laughs> I was like I'm the mystic genius behind it all. no one really knows androgynous is the word yeah, yeah androgynous mm. uh, but it is the archetype of the sage of the mm. healer yeah. of the one that like brings the purity of of deep alternative healing arts mm. Yeah. And it is in the fifth house that belongs to Leo. So in a way, oh, wow. you bring it in a playful way mm. that connects you to the pleasure of the heart and through your creative expression. Mm. Mm. And especially the fact that it is squaring Neptune in your eighth house. It is the deeper mystery mm. the, that is not afraid to play with the taboo, with the darker, yeah. with the repressed, the shadow. Mm -hmm. The rebel mystic. The rebel mystic. Exactly. I know that when I invited you to the podcast, you were like, well, yeah, this is great, but I know you kind of want to talk about some more theoretical aspects. But I'm like, I don't give a fuck about those. And I actually clearly express, yes, I'm a bit of a rebel. Like yeah. I've always seen myself as a rebel heart. And that's beautiful to a point, but it's also beautiful to, you know, let that wisdom land in you and not always be such a rebel as well. <laughs> so yeah. I've been told, yeah. Well, I resonate with that. It yeah. becomes problematic when you start rebelling against yourself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I know a bit about that. <laughs> but I can see this fiery aspect in you with your Leo, mm. uh, with your Aries moon, yeah. which is in the 12th house. So it's kind of like, again, that deeper spiritual connection mm -hmm. that can be quite explosive. And I would say even like in a way that you emotionally approach the world and mm -hmm. process your emotional landscapes, it's kind of like very much gut-based, let's go do it, fiery. Primal, instinctual, yeah. yes. And not always so. knowing where it comes from necessarily, but mm -mm. that's okay because yeah. you're connected to <laughs> yeah. the world and the realms beyond mm. what is logical here. Mm. Um, but with so much earth in your chart, you so beautifully ground this wisdom yeah. with your Taurus ascendant. Yeah, yeah, it feels very balanced actually with the fire and mm. the, the earth. Elements. Now, what is interesting, you have two planets, or like one planet and one asteroid in Leo. Mm. So besides Saturn, 
which would bring this kind of maturation in your creative expression, asking mm-hmm. you to, you know, in your playful way, still find grounded, structured mm-hmm. uh, approaches to how are you using this to create something meaningful and purposeful in the world so that it's not just a play for the giggles, and but it's kind of like, hey, you're here to like... Mm. deeply embodied and use it but the more interesting point that I find is actually the Astrid uh, series Mm. which in astrology represents the mother which represents Isis exactly the the light energy and that was such a beautiful connection that I make because Sirius is like this life giver source Mm. of nurturing devotion patience and unconditional love Mm. and it's also a modern ruler of Taurus some say of your ascendant so you know this connection to the Leo energy would be quite strong but what is even more fascinating is that looking up your Egyptian astrology sign, which mm. is going to be different, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You are ruled, your son is ruled by the goddess Mut. Mm-hmm. And Mut is a mother goddess. Mm. <laughs> the, se- the creator goddess, mm. or the mother of the world, they call her. Yeah. Yeah. So again, we circle back to this very deeply feminine mm. essence of the nurturer of provider, of the healer in a way, mm. the holder. Mm. Yeah, like she's like the chalice who holds and contains everything of light matter, basically, mm. in conjunction with the masculine principle, which is representative of Orion, which is of dark matter. Yeah, the goddess Isis as also one of the supreme Egyptian goddesses. Mm-hmm. And I know you work with her magic as well. Yeah. And I wonder how would you like how are you connecting with her and how yeah. do, how is she influencing your life yeah i think what's really beautiful is when we look at egyptian mythology and kind of the creation of the universe we have to go back to the foundation and the anchoring of the cosmic clock of creation mm-hmm. and to see that what is in the stars represents what is directly inside our bodies so what we see as Sirius, what we see as Orion in the sky is directly relating to the feminine and masculine principles within us. So Isis being the feminine principle, um, Orion being, you know, Osiris, mm-hmm. the masculine principle. And I feel like these archetypes are something that we can all incorporate because it is dark matter and light matter. And that which comes through in the dawning of time is this blooming of the flowers. You can say blooming of the lotus, but that is the creation of that. So it's really important to see that this in this within this Egyptian mythology, it is a cosmic clock of creation. And so Isis represents to me many, many different aspects and facets of the divine feminine, which is in all of us. And then from that point of that center point, we can choose what we actually do with those aspects. So although we can have, say, Isis on our, you know, altar as a material um, object, we can also see that what is represented of what we see in the stars is a direct reflection of who we are. Are you explaining astrology? <laughs> I guess I am. I don't know. It is all interconnected. Baby. It is all, yeah. My specialty is not astrology, but... The beautiful cosmic clock I often come back to Mm. as my foundation within Egyptian mythology. 
So, you know, Isis is an aspect of all of us and she is known as the universal goddess, basically. So from Isis, there's been many other different goddesses that actually in effect represent her essence. Mm. And that essence is then carried within our lineage because she is part of our ancestry. Mm. Yeah. Wow, this is making me feel a little hot. Is it okay if I take my shirt off? <laughs> you can take your shirt off. <laughs> like the she's feminine mistress. She's like, Woo! out. Exactly. Titties out. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cheers I'll drink that. some more tea. Cheers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. Oof, and so, so you can see that when you when you look at Isis, she is the healer. She is the alchemist. Um, but she is also representative of the light matter. And in conjunction with Sirius, who is dark matter, they birthed a son called Horus, who was the setting of the time. And then you have mm. also the god Set, who was into the structure, but Horus was the hours that were created. So you can see by all these gods and goddesses that there is this oracle of the cosmic clock. Mm -hmm. And so that for me is always a beautiful foundation to come back to rather than seeing like, okay, I have Isis on my altar. I'm going to worship her every day or something, but I'm actually going to come back to that anchoring that anchors me into the foundation of what is really representative in the universe which is comes back to the centerpiece of the heart mm. which is you know the ancient mysteries of Kemet yeah yeah, yeah. oh yes. yeah yes so you know I feel like when I think about new age I like to use it in a not degrading way but definitely slightly <laughs> judgmental and critical way I can be too yeah but I mm. think the new age in its essence it's really that transition from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius mm. whatever I'm not even like hooked on these terms but just this representation this story actually connects us to is really that paradigm shift from worshipping the gods outside of us mm -hmm. to recognizing that they are a part of exactly. us that they are us yes i think this is what you've been kind of like yes hinting, right yes exactly yeah yeah they are essentially a part of us because it is part of our bloodline it's part of our ancestry mm. and so you know isis comes through in so many ways if we are able to access those gateways within ourselves And so there's many different ways to access those those gateways. But um, it's really about sitting down and really listening to yourself to be like, okay, and honoring that there is a lineage that comes before us that is still being revealed. Mm -hmm. And that mystery can be only accessed if we are really able to tune in and feel it. Mm. Yeah. So I really feel like as much books as we can read, and you know the Nag Hammadi is an incredible scripture that was revealing of many mysteries. Yes, we can dive deep into that, we can dive deep into the text scriptures, but mm. really, essentially, the wisdom is found in our blood, bones, and breath. It's really mm. felt in every cell of our bodies, mm. if we are open to receiving that wisdom. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 it's awakening <laughs> something in me. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's, um, You know, maybe I'm gonna say a little bit of a bold statement. I don't know about the cultural appropriation of this because living in Bali, you know, but in this community, mm. you know, there are so many different traditions and lineages and mm. philosophies that kind of come together. And you see all of this 
<coughs> whiteies, right? Performing tea ceremonies that are such a long lineage in like, especially Eastern traditions and then cacao ceremonies. And now we have this awakening of the Egyptian mysteries and everyone's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. An embodiment of Isis. <laughs> and when I was tuning into that, it's like, yes, working with our personal lineage and ancestry, but mm. how do you define that? Mm. You know, seeing our souls as this trans-dimensional, transpersonal energies with lifetimes past Mm. What is the li- what is your true lineage? Mm. Why should I only work with like my bloodline, which mm. yes is a direct correlation and it does give me certain mm. powers and strengths, but also it's a deeper remembrance of the times that our souls have existed or maybe even exist in like right now. Yeah, all we have is now. Yeah. Um, well, we might be existing in uh, actually another dimension right now as mm. stars. We might not be in this human form, but we could mm-hmm. be this luminous star somewhere else in another dimension. So we have to understand that multidimensionality is actually happening in different ways, in different spaces and time mm. in another era. And so there's like the way I like to see it is I'm living this human life but I also come from many different lineages, which of course I'm still waking up to. Mm. But Sometimes in life, there's so many beautiful things that happen in this human world that are so synchronistic with what's going on in your life from maybe a couple of years ago and something happens again and again. And it's kind of like an echo. Mm -hmm. If you think of like the, um, what is that? There's, there's those, those rooms that you go into where you have mirrors and then it's a mirror upon a mirror and upon a mirror and a mirror. So you can see that synchronicities happen to reveal the mysteries that are going on. And I think we are all connected. We are not of the same bloodline, but we are here on this earth. And so that our ancestry is really tied in with, yes, our direct family, our direct bloodline. But what if we look on the multidimensional aspect of the different races where we've come from and where we've drawn our mysteries from? Maybe we were actually from another star system, but we've incarnated into this lifetime to do a particular work Mm. and we can say oh this is my family my human family but I actually come from there so it's very um Mm -hmm. multi-dimensional if you think of the aspects of where we do come from and lineage yeah exactly and Mm. I see this this Leo aspect that is looking for validation and confirmation of like am I able to do what my heart is Mm -hmm. guiding me towards and opening me up to it's really more a matter of like well your heart is the one validating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let yeah, your yeah. heart do the validation yeah, exactly. of what ignites that fire yeah. in you. Yeah, and what feels alive for you in that moment, you know? Yeah, and speaking of the ancestry and lineages and the family connection, the shamanic Egyptian astrology that I'm diving into right now, the way that they like to explain the connection between different planets that are and signs that are like represented by different egyptian gods and goddesses plus the nile (laughs) and it Mm -hmm. has a special place there it's really about when looking at transits seeing them as different uncles different aunties different cousins Mm -hmm. that we are relating with and to so in a way 
cosmic energies are a part of us like you said before exactly. like we are stardust yeah we are stardust literally <laughs> yes like, even physically no yeah yeah, yeah totally yeah <laughs> yeah and um it's really beautiful to see to dive and read about this egyptian mythologies yeah. how most often yes they're sacred but they're so human in their essence yeah, yeah. um and I'm, I'm wondering how do you connect with the Egyptian or beyond whatever gods mm. and goddesses that you feel connected to? How are you working with them? Mm. And yeah, what do they bring into your life and work? Yeah, well, I have to say that I, I feel directly connected to the lineage of the Egyptian mysteries or the Egyptian bloodlines. And that is representative in a lot of the work that I do with women and a lot of the work that I do with Blue Lotus as well. How and did you awaken to that or how did you got <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I think I was always quite I would have to say an, an awakened child but a very much a rebel. I didn't agree with a lot of the systems or institutions that were put on me by society and my parents and in my relationships around me. So I knew that when I was younger there was always a certain there was a certain something beyond the normal, beyond the norm that was presented to me. Moon in 12 house Aries. <laughs> so, yeah, I've always been a seeker and a searcher and, you know, more claiming that deep oracle in within me that knows. So there's been a, a few different things that have happened along my life that have opened me up to that. But I have to say one of the most important one would be meeting my beloved uh, six years ago and it wasn't just meeting him but it was meeting the aspect within myself which is the inner beloved the hiros gamos mm. which is the the sacred union of the masculine and feminine but he was this incredible he is this incredible aspect of the masculine that met my feminine um, and i know that we can have different terms for feminine and masculine in the world now so many different ways of expressing it but meeting him really brought me into the state of looking at where I was from where does my lineage come from and then from that meeting so many beautiful synchronicities happened that awakened me to working with the lotus flower and then awakened me to the Egyptian mysteries and realizing that this was inside me all along and looking at where I had traveled before I had met him that had brought me to the different places of connection within the earth's grid mm. <laughs> sacred union you say yes it's interesting because leo uh, and the fifth house that leo rules is also connected to the true love and romance like mm. that deep meeting point of the heart yes and and i feel like before i met him i had met that aspect of myself before so mm -hmm. I really feel to truly meet your beloved, it's really meeting that, that beloved within yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the pivotal points in my life where just before I met him, I remember looking at the full moon, standing there and, and feeling, wow, I'm whole, I'm complete in this moment. And then literally five minutes later, I met him. <laughs> <laughs> cosmic clock. Yeah, 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 totally cosmic <laughs> clock revealing all its mysteries, yeah. 
Yeah, mm. it's interesting because gods and goddesses are usually going to come in pair, right? Yeah. When we look yeah. at mythology. But yeah. it's not to promote the heterosexual no. relationships, yeah. but it's really that deeper masculine-feminine union within. Exactly, and they can be paired in many different ways. So I'm just speaking from my experience of meeting my beloved, who was mm. a masculine counterpart or principal or my soul flame, I like to call mm. that. But I really, really feel like it is meeting the Heros Gamas within ourselves, which is also going back to the Egyptian mythology of the Isis within ourselves, but also the Osiris within ourselves, mm -hmm. and that which we see in the stars, which represents the inner divine beloved, the inner sacred union within mm. us. I'm going to do a little note here that's mm -hmm. not super related and deep, but <laughs> um, I have been diving into Egyptian Tantra for the past few months and I've been mm. working with a mentor and mm. in one of the sessions, the goddess Bastet, the mm. black goddess of cats came yes. through and that's a whole other story because like I'm allergic to cats. <laughs> interesting <laughs> yeah and not to go into too many details but what was super interesting is that i didn't recognize her at first i needed to mm -hmm. go into the sacred books of the google to be like what is that cat uh, for me it was more like a leopard she uh, leopard she looked mm -hmm. but then i found out that she is paired with anubis yeah. the god of death mm, the underworld yeah, yeah, yeah the underworld and i'm like Damn right, baby. <laughs> like, that's my beloved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful, yeah. No, and Anubis is, is, is very much the, the, the weighing of the scales of life and death. So Anubis weighs those scales of life and death and really has the ability to weigh your heart. They say that he weighs the heart of the human. And that is a direct journey into where your next incarnation happens. Hmm. Yeah. Is it him who waves or is it Mutt? It could be Mutt, yeah. I think yeah. I know Mutt because she's a representative yeah. of Mutt Libra. Is, and Mutt is also the divine mother. Uh -huh. Maha, Ma Mama, yeah. She waves, but he kind of escorts. Yeah, he brings into the underworld, but he brings the scales. Ah. So... Yeah. Again, the connection, yeah. the harmony. Yeah, and and that is also if you look at other goddesses who worked a lot with the underworld. There's Inanna, and I don't know if you've gone into much of Inanna as well. And Inanna mm. is also another representative of Isis. And Inanna went into the underworld to meet her twin sister, mm -hmm. who she also went through seven veils of shedding layers, and so she went through these seven veils literally to take physically off her clothes, but really she was shedding layers of herself to get to the one source of connection. Mm. And it's a really beautiful story because I think it's very representative of what we do in our lives. We are continually shedding layers. We are continually shedding parts of our and aspects of ourselves that don't really serve us anymore. But Inanna was the guiding force that went really into the darkness mm. to reveal the light. And... Yeah. um Yeah, she's a beautiful form that I actually work with a lot in Nana. Very powerful, fierce, loving, curvaceous, strong. When you say you work with her a lot, how mm. does that look? To be working with this goddess? Yeah, I would have to say working with it would be a remembrance of myself. So I think working with it is the remembrance. I don't put her on my altar. I don't believe in, in, in worshiping in that way, but I do believe in 
feeling what aspects of her that I can resonate with. And so I really resonate with her going into the underworld and connecting with those seven aspects, the seven veils that were shed. And so I really f see aspects of my life where I've gone into those mm -hmm. um, kind of initiations to unveil myself. So would you so, connect with his um, archetypes on daily basis or in special rituals? Yeah, I feel like it's very um, intuitive. It comes at times when I'm really um, connecting with my dream space. I'm connecting with my dance, sometimes with in my dance because I'm a dancer. Mm -hmm. It really comes out in my dance and suddenly I'll be dancing and at my fingertips I'm like, whoa, I've turned into someone else. Like this this mm -hmm. is beyond me or I am a divine embodiment of, say, Isis or Inanna or Ishtar, mm -hmm. things like that. Um but yeah, it, it's very intuitive. Sometimes it's simply, actually, it is reading a scripture or reading a text that mm -hmm. I suddenly like, wow, okay, that makes sense, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I think as we are evolving beings, we are continually um, going through so many things in our lives, so many different layers, if we are believing that we are evolutionaries, you know, and I like to see myself <laughs> as an evolutionary. So I'm continually learning, but continually changing along the way. And so that we can work with those different aspects. Mm. But that is for me through movement, through remembrance, sometimes sitting in deep meditation as well. Yeah. And I feel I'm going to bring the archetype of astrological Leo back yeah. in because, or actually, no. Um, but isn't that the essence of Egyptian mysteries? The death and rebirth, yes. the constant regeneration, yeah. the shredding. Yeah. I think I'm attracted to Egyptian astrology and mystery so much because it has this element of darkness yeah. that is not afraid to go into that yeah. underworld. Yeah, exactly. With one inhale and one exhale, you can completely change into a different cycle of life. Rebirth, birth, death. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's very special because I think also in life, in this human world, we are continually being rebirthed in every moment. So, and I really see it like that. Every day I feel anew. Mm -hmm. So there's a new way of being or a new way. Of course, I have my habits and my gestures that are similar, but I am continually tapping into what is dying inside me so that I can come alive into the next moment. Mm. And that's why the Egyptian mythology is so beautiful with the, the cycle of death and rebirth. Mm -hmm. And they placed as much importance on life as they did for the afterlife as well. Mm -hmm. And you can see that in all their relief statues, their temples, what they place there. They would place a lot of unks, a lot of lotuses, a lot of different um, aspects that would carry them into the next life. Mm. And then they would maybe be shared again for their next life. <laughs> Mentioning Anubis, in Egyptian astrology, the archetype of Leo is actually assigned to Anubis, mm. which is interesting because in Western astrology, Leo is ruled by the sun, which in Egyptian gods would Ra. be the Amun-Ra, yeah, 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 the sun god. Mm -hmm. But here it is the god of the death that is assigned to this radiant, playful, pleasurable mm -hmm. sign. Yeah. And in a way, what that kind of brings up for me is truly the way to awaken, to remember, to open up to these ancient mysteries. It's in your openness mm -hmm. to go 
deep yeah. into the darkness, into yeah. the unknown, allow the light to yeah. illuminate it mm-hmm. and find that playful, pleasurable approach. Yes, after, after working through the challenging darkness, <laughs> then the pleasure becomes more apparent, yeah. Yeah, but it's also with Leo, it comes this a little bit of a childlike curiosity yeah. of like, yeah. ooh, okay, how can I shine in this? Like, yeah, yeah. what can I, what kind of gold can I mm-hmm. find here with that royalty aspect mm-hmm. to it? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And even how fucking, mm, how fucking magnificent it is to be able to dive. Yeah into the depths of our being exactly because then it's embracing the full aspect and spectrum of ourselves because we can't just be all light and love and yes radiance we must also embody those aspects because they're that's the full multi-dimensional revealing of the soul mm-hmm. and this is where i see the combination between like human gods the demigods right yeah, that yeah. are depicted with like this a bit of like an animalistic traits but essentially they are all divine yeah and it's really the marriage the combination between the godly and the human mm-hmm. and here what i find so beautifully depicted in egyptian astrology as well it's really just showing how through these astrological archetypes embodied by gods it is gods experiencing themselves as humans mm-hmm. we experiencing our humanness yeah through this physical form and in a way especially with the leo archetype that is connected to pleasure and pain mm. i always come back to this analogy that God is one kinky motherfucker that created this <laughs> sneaky little playground, playground. Exactly. Playground. So that it can experience itself in so many different forms. Yeah. Yeah. And then you pick up what kind of like board game are you going to play mm-hmm. and how are you going to yeah. move more your figures. Yeah. And here Leo really encourages us mm. to be bold, to mm. live from the heart and mm, allow that to kind of pull us in the direction where pleasure can be another path of enlightenment yeah and this is such a crucial part of egyptian mysteries as well uh, the sacred sexuality that yeah. isis is represented yeah. Uh, yeah. with too so i wonder what um what kind of role does this aspect of sacred sexuality and pleasure play in mm. the way that you approach this wisdom yeah well as i was saying when i met my beloved i already was feeling very much that inner union within myself and so that played a big part in my life as feeling like i was whole and complete within myself without needing anything on the external but of course when i met my beloved then things started to really activate within me and so there was a actually in our meeting in our union of our different principles of either the masculine feminine which is also interchangeable within us became alive and so there was an evocation you could say or initiation that started to evoke itself through our meeting and sometimes i don't feel that that can be done by yourself you know yes it can be in many different ways but meeting someone else really looking them in the eyes and seeing the mirror which is what you represent but the mirror that is talking back to you from them is really waking us up into that divine 
you know, what what they essentially call Tantra, which is that Mm -hmm. deep, deep connection of that union when it's in the most healthiest, most resonant, most purest light. And I think that also comes back to the heart again, when you're really radiating this pure essence from your heart without wanting anything on the external, then you can truly meet the beloved within and the beloved without. So that is a very important aspect of tantric philosophy within the Egyptian, because you look at, as you say, they come in pairs like Orion, um, sorry, Osiris and Isis. And then you look down the lineages. So it's not only just in the Egyptian mythology, but down to Hindu mythology that actually Osiris is a representation of um, Shiva. And then you look down and you go down Isis is a representation of Pavati. So it all has like the multiverse within all Mm. elements. But they're all these divine union counterparts which have really found the union within the souls, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think Tantra, this is like the biggest distinctions with Tantra, right? That it Mm is emphasized on that sacred union and Mm -hmm. where like the partnership is kind of one of the highest paths. Yeah, exactly. The deepest ones. But But it can be the partnership with yourself because I don't want to say that you're not whole or complete if you haven't met your counterpart, but there's a way to find that divine union within yourself. Yeah, Mm. because here I think what can be... Um, maybe misunderstood is also that notion that you gotta be healed in order to exactly. enter a relationship. No way. Yeah. I don't believe in that. <laughs> no. Um, but there are definitely practices that can help us yeah. harmonize yeah. the feminine and masculine within. And one that I have uh, come in touch with through the Egyptian Tantra is working with the Ankh, right? Mm-hmm. The sacred yeah. symbolism. Mm-hmm. Um, Beautiful. And in Egyptian Tantra, the Ankh is primarily, well, at least through <laughs> the doors mm-hmm. that I'm entering in, were mm-hmm. seen as this Tantric breathwork practice. Yeah. Where the Ankh, um, mm. that is also depicted in uh, mystical Christianity. Or yeah, like it's actually, the cross, yeah. 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 Mm, and this wings that are yeah. often called the wings of Isis, yeah, right? That are exactly. going to the left and to the right, yeah. to the feminine and to the masculine. Yeah. And oh, it's one of my favorite pleasure practices, actually, mm-hmm. because it really draws the energy down from the earth through yeah. the breath up into the yeah. heart to be yeah. oh, purified. And then it spreads it through, like to the left, to the right. Yeah uniting or actually strengthening the feminine and the masculine and then bringing them back into unity mm-hmm. into the heart yeah and then there are like many again ways of how to circulate this energy exactly um but then also sending it up into the heavens yeah. kind of giving yourself in devotion mm. to all that you believe in can like making yourself known your micro universe to the macro universe yeah receiving the gifts from above back into your body there's this beautiful circulation yeah which i do a very similar one with the lotus Mm. so the lotus Mm -hmm. can also be seen as a as a similar symbol to the ankh that it works within the body and you can activate your light body which is known also as the merkaba field mm-hmm. within the car. yeah the car which is like the light body the, yeah the, which is essentially our vehicle of ascension and isn't this like the transformation of the car body is kind of like 
the core of Egyptian alchemy from what I understand. Exactly, yeah. So it's connecting with the light body. It's connecting with that which is beyond the material. So knowing Mm -hmm. that we have many different aspects of the bodies and connecting to the light body allows us to achieve kind of the path of ascension and also coming back to source creation, Mm -hmm. basically. So I do a very similar um, lotus Merkaba activation that is similar to the Ankh. Yet I always think it's really important, like you say, to connect the heavens with the earth as mm-hmm. well and just to actually bring that always back to the heart. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the <laughs> breath that reaches up and down, up and down, and that you actually activate along your central pillar all the energy centers that get activated. Yeah, because that's what the ankh is essentially as well, mm-hmm. like the light map of the map of our light body. Yeah. But also, like you said, as the light, the oh. lotus is also that too. The light lotus body. is the ex, the divine expression of the light body. Mm. Yeah, with its many petals. So mm. yeah. Yeah, and bringing it back to the heart, mm. we often refer to like the radiance of the heart or, or the sun of the soul. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because the like circulating this ka energy, the uh, spiritual twin that some call it, like I'm currently reading the, finally reading the Magdalene manuscript. Yeah. And the way that they describe the ka there is like the etheric double or the spiritual twin. Exactly. Um, and in a that way... That is beyond the physical. Yes. Yeah. And it is drawing the yeah. energy from the sunlight, yeah. the yeah. sun, the So ka. it's a very powerful practice to do actually in the sun as well so that you can absorb the, absorb the light rays of the sun. We get energized by the, by the sun. Actually, when we think of the sun, the sun is fuel for our bodies. Yeah. So if you do one of those activations with the Ankh or the Lotus, it really allows you to start reverberating in your being. And I feel like when I do those activations, I don't need to eat anything. (laughs) I'm fueled up by the sun, by the Lotus, by the Ankh, by my own breath. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like just in the summertime, we're less hungry usually. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simple fact. We just end up eating fruit, things like that. Yeah. But this can be also done like in such a simple way of just like when you notice the sunlight on your skin yeah just taking a deep breath into your heart exactly and visualizing yourself yeah. being charged by it yeah 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 which which comes back to all the elements and the principles of the elements which is also related in egyptian mythology as the netaru you know yes and the netaru were these aspects of nature which we can see everywhere in this life and so i love that you say that like when you see the sunlight on your skin take a moment to breathe it in because it is part of yourself take a moment to feel the wind or the breeze or the rain Mm. you know walk barefoot sometimes like get out into nature get muddy like get wild with nature feel the bark on the tree and yeah. if you know the blue lotus breathing <laughs> technique or the ang breathing technique, <laughs> you can do that too. Yeah, exactly. Many different ways to activate that within nature, within yourself. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Now, speaking of this, of ka, the light body, the power of the sun circulating through us and the lineage of Hmm, I'm gonna say Isis, mm. the one that is connecting us to the sacred sexuality and relationships. Although there are also like there's also Hatos that I personally mm-hmm. feel connected to, which is even more of like that playful, yeah. mystical, sexual, primal yeah. aspect, right? Yeah. Um, 
But here, an interesting story that is opening up and coming forward more and more. I mentioned I'm reading the Magdalene manuscript mm -hmm. and how, you know, growing up in a Christian society, even like a little Christian cult, uh, the story of Mary Magdalene for me was just like, oh, she was that prostitute that announced that Jesus mm -hmm. was resurrec re resurrected. Yeah. Um, but actually, there's so much more to the Mary yeah. Magdalene story. Yeah. And I know that the mm. path of the rose that yeah. she yeah. represents and holds and guides on yeah. is a big part of your path as well. Yeah, exactly. And so that also came alive when I met my Yeshua, in a way, if I can speak that into existence. <laughs> Yeshua being? Being my beloved and Yeshua being the beloved of Mary Magdalene. So the way of the rose is represented through Magdalene. And I like to emphasize that Magdalene was directly connected with the lineage of Isis as well. Yes. Isis being the quintessential energy of rebirth and regeneration. So we can see that there's a universal principle of many goddesses, like we've talked about Inanna, we've talked about a little bit about Ishtar and Isis and things like that. And so Mary Magdalene was actually known as a direct Isis initiate. So mm. her lineage directly came from Isis, as our lineage does. Like she was practicing and learning, yes. being initiated in yeah. the Egyptian temples yeah. of Isis. And if you look at her name, Mary comes from the word La Mer, Mer, huh. so it's water, the water priestess, and the 13th alphabet in Egyptian hieroglyphics is representative of water. Yeah. So, um, and Mary, so you see Ma, La Ma, Maria, Magdalene. Um, many names. Yeah, comes, many names. Yeah. And she was, yeah, bringing her knowledge and wisdom even though her knowledge and wisdom was shunned by society because of the overall of patriarchy and a lot of her information was not directly revealed within mainstream society. But she was directly studying underneath ISIS and she was studying on in the way of the rose. Mm -hmm. So she was bringing and activating a lot of the light codes with other initiates. And it's very well known that she was spending a lot of time in the temples. Mm -hmm. um, and they also say Yesha was also an Egyptian um, pharaoh, they could say, but he studied in many different lineages. I mean, there was a time when he was in... He was a manifesting generator. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. So he, he was in India for 12 years studying <laughs> under incredible sages. And, you know, they would interweave their lives coming together, going apart. But um, the way of the rose is definitely like a symbolic aspect of the consciousness of Magdalene, which is also inside all of us and that we can activate within us once we know which lineages we connect to, which yeah. lineages we are drawn to, but Magdalene was a huge aspect of the feminine, which is really in all of us. So we can really connect to her in a way that we can see what we are hiding, what we are suppressing. Yeah, in a way that yeah. like she was surprised by yeah, the church. She was surprised to kind of recognize yeah. okay, where yeah. do we now even inherit it like that feminine wound that yeah. we are not able to be seen and speak exactly. up and shine and yeah. be seen in our her wisdom yeah and uh yeah even like that equality but yeah. equality that is not feminist necessarily no. in like the mm, so so, so <laughs> i don't know i don't know how to explain this but 
Mm. Yeah, in a way that now I have to be fucking equal to the man. No, I'm equal exactly. in my own way. Yeah. With my own wisdom. Yeah. And from what I understand, and I'm just, I feel like I'm just opening up to these wisdoms, but it's that a lot of the healing powers that Jesus kind of spread, or Joshua. Joshua, yeah. Um, that he used in his healings was a consequence of their sacred union exactly of cultivating the sexual energy yeah awakening yeah the powers within yeah that they were then able to yeah yeah spread Ac and activate and spread expand. the wisdom beyond anything that was beyond the material so and it was through these tantric practices exactly love making yeah the love <laughs> yeah coming back to the pleasure yes coming back to the pleasure yeah 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 so it was a big element that they would activate each other and it was a very natural way of being mm -hmm. it wasn't forced or pushed or pulled but it was a way that they would come together to also inspire and illuminate other people to be on that path to awaken their light buddies as well yes and if you see all of like the great i don't want to say dynasties i'm using this term wrong probably i don't know lineages empires what would they be eras 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 of I awakening would say they all had a very strong deep aspect of awakening yes sexuality within yeah. and even when we see the egyptian ah doctrine <laughs> i doctrine, don't know yeah it's so royal it's so yeah. much wealth and yeah, prestige yeah, yeah. Yeah. and it was truly <laughs> i don't want to say hedonistic element mm -hmm. but the sacred temples that were performing so many yeah. of this tantric yeah and practices. that 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 knowledge was well hidden from a lot of people for many years yes. because it was a very sacred practices and a lot of the priests and priestesses were doing a lot of ritual magic mm. which was very much in line with their light bodies with with their divine original template and you can see that the original history of Yeshua and Magdalene was from the Essenes who were um, a group that were practicing in a very pure pure way and it wasn't until later that a lot of these practices not practices they were doing but a lot of these things got distorted when the mm. roman catholic church came in when the hyksos invaded egypt things like that things started to lose their actual purity so i i feel like we're coming back to that purity we're yeah. refinding that purity within our hearts if we are really open to that yeah yeah and it makes sense like now that i feel like we are reclaiming this feminine part yes. of ourselves as a society yeah the fact that egyptian um culture is essentially a feminine culture yeah. in its essence yeah. it makes sense that this is waving through more and more exactly yeah and we and allow it to weave like a fabric like yeah. a cloth that we wear and we wear that cloth with royalty and elegance leo season exactly claiming the royalty exactly within. yeah just kind of recognizing that we are the children of gods and mm -hmm. that we are mm -hmm. a part of that god yeah um, and even just this feminine ritualistic ceremonial approach to life uh, seeing everything as sacred yeah and then using certain tools that help us go deeper into the ceremonial state of living yeah and here i would like to invite the mm. story of how we actually met 
Mm. And the way that I feel the most connected to you that is through the ceremonial space of blue lotus tea yeah. ceremonies. Yeah. And I remember when I came to Bali, at some point I was just slapped from all sides. <laughs> As um, Bali does that to yeah, you, <laughs> it can. But it was like really Egyptian symbolism, traditions, stories, people, mm -hmm. just everything you can think of. Just Egypt was hitting me from all sides. And then randomly I sat across you in a cafe and you were just like, hey, I just felt called to tell you that I am holding a Blue Lotus, Egyptian, Isis, something, something tea ceremony in a few mm. days. And I had a f uh, an intuition to invite you to it. I'm like, oh my God, I've won <laughs> again. Like, yes, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that truly kicked off a lot for me. Mm. But I want to, yeah. I would love for you to explain your connection to Blue Lotus because I feel like this is really one of the essential practices that you mm. bring through. Yeah. What does it mean to you mm. and how, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things to talk about with Blue Lotus and how it's come into my life and how it really has uh, illuminated in the hearts of many people who have experienced Blue Lotus. Um, but I'd like to go back to the dawn of time. They say that <laughs> the dawn of time. Let's go back to the dawn of time. Yeah, let's go back to the dawn of time. <laughs> and Blue Lotus is seen as part of an awakening and a spiritual growth and enlightenment that you can activate within you. But they say that the first primordial instincts of life was a lotus flower that mm -hmm. bloomed into existence. And I think that's really beautiful. I'll to buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I love the story. <laughs> so it bloomed into existence from these primordial earth. And of course, lotus grows in the mud. So it moves through all the elements. So it embodies all the elements to come to the light, to be transformed by the element of fire into this gorgeous, beautiful flower. So if we just look at the flower itself, it represents this cosmic creation of life. Kind of and purple, not blue, though. <laughs> purpley blue, you little rebel. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a it's a hue of blue, yeah. which could be a hue of purple as well. But um, third eye color. Yeah. So it 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 is known to be an activator of the third eye, which is an activator of our higher states of consciousness. It allows us to tap back into our divinity, divinity, divinity. How did I say that? Divinity, and allows us to remember really it is a i like to see it as a dream uh, a dream herb it's mm. a flower of intuition it's a flower of our doors of perception mm. it opens us up to beyond the reality that we're here mm. in this human world the aphrodisiac yeah it allows the mystic in us to come alive mm. and the most beautiful thing about lotus is it's so subtle so it allows you to really attune your senses and to truly listen so it really focuses on activating you to listen. Mm. And that, I think, is such a... It can be challenging to really listen to what's going on in our bodies. It can be challenging to listen to the voices that speak to us, the different lessons, the, the mm. mystic within us. So Blue Lotus allows us to truly dive deeper and really listen to what is going on in our body and how can we activate our third eye? How can we activate our higher states of consciousness beyond this material realm? Mm. Yeah. 
beautiful. So from the dawn of time, it's presented as this beautiful primordial aspect of cosmic creation, yeah. incorporating the elements of Isis, Osiris, the light and the dark matter. And from that matter comes the lotus. Mm. Mm. And I feel like almost what we've been kind of saying this whole time is the openness mm. to this remembrance. And I feel like sitting in a ceremony with a with an ancient plant medicine, whatever your choice is, yeah. that is kind of, you know, I was at a kirtan yesterday and what uh, the what I share there is that when you make one step towards God, God can make 12 or whatever, 100, mm -hmm. 100 steps towards mm -hmm. you. And I feel like even sitting with this ancient yeah. energetic yes. activations yeah. is a beautiful opening to yeah. the mysteries that will unravel yeah. as a consequence to that. Yeah, and that's originally why I started these beautiful circles since six years now in Bali to really gather women together like we did in the temples of yeah. Egypt to remember, yes. to come alive to the stories. Like what is the Lotus telling us? What stories are activated within us? Who were we? What did we do together? Why did we activate our light bodies? What was our mission here on this planet beyond any of the things that we come to do? Why were we incarnated mm. here? So that's why I brought the women together and that's why I continually mm. do. And what is so beautiful um, about what you said at the ceremony two days ago was that, you know, sometimes the effects will come long after, not necessarily yeah. even in the ceremony itself. Exactly. It's more of the activation, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's creating the imprint of the lotus. So when you drink the lotus, you're connecting with the plant or the flower yeah. and they're intelligent beings. Like a spirit guide. Yeah, they're spirit guides. So you connect with it. And the most beautiful thing about lotus is that it's known as an adaptogen and adaptogens work with the organs of perception. Mm. So not only does it listen to you, it will guide you in the way that you are meant to be in your life if you allow it. So it's, it's a beautiful aspect of the flower that works with those organs of perception. Our third eye, our sight, our hearing, mm -hmm. our heart can be seen as an organ of perception as well mm -hmm. um, beyond the five senses. And um, yeah, I, I really feel like the lotus is an activator of the divine within us all. Mm. Yeah. And its ripples are felt. It's, it creates a ripple in the universe of our own cosmic creation, but in the universe and hearts of everyone else that we meet. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, in a way, you put it into your body and you take the energetic essence of this plant. Yeah. And it makes sense with whatever yeah. we're doing, right? Like if you're going to coat your water with exactly. some positive intentions. Yeah. But just like using certain plants that are already vibrating yeah. higher. They're intelligent infusing, beings. Yeah. yeah. And infusing them with the intention. Exactly. It's just going to yeah. bring a different kind of explosion exactly. and expansion. Yeah. And that comes back to the element of really being able to listen. <sighs> listen to and attune your senses in that subtle way. Mm. Yet powerful. Subtle. For me, I'm really working with the aspects of subtlety lately, and that's why I work with Blue Lotus, because it activates such a potent, deep portal within me, yet it's also really subtle. So it allows me to really tune in with my inner world, mm. so that then from my inner world, I can respond, react, 
dance, create with my external world. Mm. <laughs> so to kind of bring it all together and circle mm. back, working with these archetypes of gods and goddesses, the yeah. ancient mysteries, stories, mythology, mm. the sacred symbolism, whether it also comes in guidance like the plant medicine or crystals or whatever the stone you pick up at the river or the leaf that comes that falls down your path exactly it's really about the conscious approach and connecting to yeah the story and the energetic essence mm. or even and that for me is the path of the mystic really yeah it's being able to really embody all the elements, all the archetypes within yourself and to express them in your daily life. And that itself brings an expansion. It is not the God that grants you exactly. the benefit of yeah. like, oh, now you're going to... Who wants to wait for a God to grant us that? <laughs> we are already that, but we're awakening in each moment and our evolution is a beautiful path of of learning and deepening in the mysteries and really yeah. like you know being aware that we are sometimes so small yet we are so grand at the same time and we are waking up to that knowledge and waking up to that power i mean power in the sense of how powerful we can be as beings mm. and we can use that history and the mythology of the egyptian gods and goddesses and mm. the mystic way that's really really embodying the mystic way which isn't always revealed in so many words, you know. So basically just rooting in that knowingness that we are by design all mystics. Exactly. And whatever it is that calls you, setting an intention and creating that openness, whether through a ritual, a yeah. personal practice, following your pleasure and tuning exactly. into the heart, listening to the subtleness yeah. of your spirit yeah. is what is going to guide you. Exactly. And then also being open to maybe one day you'll wake up and you'll have an incredible dream and you're like, wow, I did this in the temples in Egypt. I remember this. I remember my lineage. You'll meet someone in your life and you'll be like, wow, we were in the temples together. We did this. We fought this battle together. Maybe we hated each other. Maybe we loved each other, you know. And so once we awake to that era of evolution within us, then so much can happen within that and we do wake awaken to you know concrete wisdom that's there as well as well as mystic wisdom so it's good to to realize there's both aspects of it yes doris rising bring it to the practical <laughs> exactly <laughs> no but it's true yeah it's like fuck this knowledge this wisdom this energetic activation <laughs> if you're not able to bring it down ground exactly. it and actually embody it yeah. live through it with yeah. it yeah right otherwise it's just yeah and esoteric, I, esoteric exactly and i'm i'm a firm believer of listening to the signs and the symbols and the people that i meet and, and not reading too much into it no. sometimes because like, no, that can be tricky too. No, exactly. <laughs> like, and that, that's the thing. Sometimes I meet a lot of people like, oh, wow, this happened to me. This happened. And it's almost too much because sometimes we just have to look at the simplicity. Yeah, and, the and essence, within right? the simplicity is the extraordinary. Oh, 
I think this is a beautiful quote to end yeah. this with. <laughs> yeah. In the simplicity, there is extraordinary. Yeah. Quoted by Taurus Rising. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> with a Virgo sun that is mm. in the details. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. If people would like to connect with you further and work with you in any way, what are the playgrounds that you provide? Oh, I have so many beautiful playgrounds. <laughs> I doubt On the that. horizon, the event horizon. Um, currently, if you're in Bali and residing in Bali, I offer um, beautiful group Blue Lotus ceremonies, which are only for women at this stage because I feel like it's a very sacred space that I create with women. So these are two or three hour long group ceremonies. I also offer one-on-one -on -one private Blue Lotus ceremonies, which are an incredible deep dive and they often go for three to four hours and we really reveal many different aspects. We go a little bit deeper than what we can as a group. I also offer womb activations and womb healings within those private ceremonies. And they're really powerful portals to bring you to your next level of evolution. Um, so that is two aspects of working with me. And then on the horizon, I have a really incredible retreat next year, which is a Blue Lotus training retreat. And that is... An incredible <laughs> deep dive immersion into everything Blue Lotus, all the knowledge and wisdom that I probably didn't essentially share in this one hour on the podcast, but really diving deep into how we embody the archetypes and the Egyptian mysteries. And we will drink Blue Lotus tea every day. And it's really an aspect of how you can work with the Lotus, but how you can carry the lineage of the Lotus in such a pure way to bring it to the world. So that is my Blue Lotus Priestess training retreat that is happening next March or April. Wow. Yeah, so that is that is predominantly the ways to work with me. And then another way to work with me is that I work with women in coaching and embodiment. So uh, I'm a dancer and an embodiment mentor. So a lot of that work can be done through one-on-one -on -one sessions, yeah. But so there's a lot of exciting things. Embodiment happening. of all of the feminine yeah. mysteries. <laughs> all of the facets. But that's the Virgo in you too. It likes the holistic approach. This yeah. is what you strive for. Yeah, um, and I think my sessions are always very intuitive, but tailored to what you're actually calling for in your yeah. life. And I can really hone in and pinpoint what someone is, is going through at that time and really guide um, you to a, a higher aspect of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as someone who has been in both so deeply held private spaces and expanded group sessions, there's truly something oof, priceless in the depths that we can reach together hmm. in the union. It doesn't have to be the intimate lovership union it's just like the sacred union between people mm. remembering together yeah beautiful angelina darling mm. thank you so much for thank sharing yourself with us mm. and as the old egyptian saying would go to atu which means i adore you to atu Thank you so much for allowing me this opportunity to express. 
Did you say how we find you on social media? I did not. <gasps> how you find me on social media? It's Modern times. Bit of a tricky name, but it is Alchemy of Her. And in between each word is two underscores. So it's alchemy, two underscores, of, two underscores, and then her. The big feminine. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to be two underscores. Exactly. Alchemy of her. spaciousness in between. Yes. Huh? Find me there. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Mm. Thank you, love. Thank you. Mm-hmm.